another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. In this week's episode, we're going to be looking at the case of Suffolk Coastal District Council and Hopkins Homes Limited. And the citation for this case is 2017 UKSC 37. This particular case is about housing planning, but it also tells us a lot about the interaction between legislation and plans made by local authorities. And it also goes into when and how the courts should interpret particular words. When local authorities create development documents, a number of things have to be taken into account. Regard must be had to the wider development plan, as well as policy and advice that comes from the national level. This case in particular mostly centres around the National Planning Policy Framework, or the NPPF, that was published in March 2012. And in particular, paragraph 14 establishes a presumption in favour of sustainable development, and so where a development plan is out of date on sustainable development, any application should be granted unless it can be proved that the negatives outweigh the positives. Paragraph 49 of the framework then supplements this and notes that a development plan is out of date if it cannot demonstrate at least five years of deliverable housing sites. In this case, the council refused an application for 26 new homes, and that decision was upheld by the planning inspector on appeal. When evaluating the application and the relevant policies, he only looked at those policies that dealt with the positive provision of housing, and that is why his decision has been contested through the courts. This case, it's also worth noting, was combined with another of Richborough Estates Partnership LLP and Cheshire Eastborough Council, where the question as to what was and was not a relevant policy to take into account came up. In their judgment, the Supreme Court began by looking at the comparative status of the development plan and the NPPF. While the development plan is required by statute, the framework is only a guidance document when it comes to determining planning applications. Another important point in this case when it comes to statutory interpretation is that both the plan and the framework are essentially policy documents. This means that the role of the court must be very restricted, and that they should be careful not to overstep their mark and actually delve into policy. On top of this, it is always to be assumed in these types of cases that the planning inspector is not only in a better position to make a decision in the context of the application, but also that she undoubtedly has a much greater level of expertise. Nevertheless, the courts do still have something of an interpretation role when the meaning of a policy is disputed, because that is how consistency is achieved, but ultimately application of that policy is down to the authorities as it is their prerogative. Getting down to the case at hand in paragraph 14 cannot be read in isolation as referring only to housing policy, as the development plan pertains to a wide range of factors, all of which impact on each other. This situation is different though for paragraph 49 as this falls within a section of the framework that deals specifically with boosting housing supply and so it would not be correct to allow for a broader interpretation. Applying this to both cases, ultimately both councils lost their appeals but for slightly different reasons. In the title case involving Suffolk Coastal District Council, the inspector was incorrect because of the way in which his categorisation of the policies distorted the way that paragraph 14 was eventually interpreted. Meanwhile, in Richborough Estates, the inspector was wrong to apply such a broad approach 
to the interpretation of policies for the purposes of Article 49. But in the end, this did not affect his reasoning when it came to making the final decision, and so that is why the appeal was dismissed. Overall, the courts are right to limit their involvement in these types of cases. As discussed in previous episodes, planning is an especially controversial policy area, and although judges may occasionally be expected to provide an interpretation, they do not have the expertise to really get involved. The actual interpretation provided in this case will be a useful benchmark for other courts to use themselves, not necessarily in terms of the actual definition, as this is limited in scope, but the way that the court reached its definition. In theory, they could have relied on expert evidence and other statements as to government policy in the area, but in the end they solely looked at the actual framework itself. While this does admittedly limit their ability to provide a full definition, it means that they are only drawing a conclusion based on the actual document itself, and the Supreme Court has not been tempted to go any further. When the courts are interpreting statute, they should, of course, use all of the resources that are available to them. But here we are in the unusual realm of non-statutory interpretation. If the courts are to avoid allegations of becoming politicised or taking sides in a policy debate, then they are right to limit their approach. Well, thank you once again for tuning into another episode of the UK Law Weekly podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. Remember to visit the website at uklawweekly.com, and if you do get a chance, rate and review the podcast on iTunes. Thanks again for listening, and I'll speak to you next week with another episode. Bye!